Hi, everyone. This is Patrick Donahoe. Welcome to the Well Standard Podcast. We are on episode 15 in season two of the year 2018, where our topic is liberty. And uh, liberty, in, uh, in my interpretation and in the context of the show, is the pursuit of financial freedom. Now, we are uh, one episode away from the end of season two. We will get into the final four months of the year where the topic will be property and the use of property as it pertains to your success and wealth building efforts. And it's not just property such as real estate. There are many other facets to the idea of property. I can't wait for you guys to, to listen in on some of the guests we have in store. Now, first, before I get into the uh, guest I have today, who you are going to, uh, you're going to love. She has a tremendous amount of energy and excitement and passion about what she, uh, what she does. Uh, before we get into that, I wanted to just say thank you for uh, all of your support and efforts with regards to uh, the book that was just released, The uh, Heads I Win, Tails You Lose, Financial Strategy to Reignite the American Dream. Uh, we are just a little over a month since the book has been released and we've hit uh, bestseller status on Amazon in, uh, in over a half a dozen topics. Uh, and uh, really, I, I couldn't have done it without you. Thank you guys so much for, uh, for the support. If you haven't picked up the, uh, the book yet, go head over to Amazon. It's available in Kindle uh, as well as paperback, uh, paperback and hardcover. Now, the audiobook, hopefully that'll be out in the next uh, week or week or so. But let me just kind of get into an, int an introduction of, uh, of Melinda Emerson, who's my, who's my guest today. Uh, you know, the, the, this year's podcast is really revolving around the book and the themes that I outlaid in the book describing the whole idea of the, the American dream. And, you know, I, I really believe that you can break down all principles and fundamentals of success into those uh, three topics, life, liberty, and property. Uh, life, obviously, is being uh, aware that you are your greatest asset, you're your greatest investment as well. It's where the biggest return is going to come from. And it's also the determining factor in the success of your business or your investments. And, you know, ultimately, I'd also say that despite your passive income, your business success, uh, your bank account balance, that really human beings seek to provide uh, meaningful value to, to others. And if that is not something that is integrated into your daily efforts, uh, regardless of your success, I do think that, that people will not ultimately find a, a comprehensive or holistic fulfillment. And so the idea is recognizing that you are your greatest asset and that you know, ultimately focus on, on you is going to be the best for uh, for others, whether that's your immediate family or whether it's your business or whether it's your colleagues or co your community. Uh, but ultimately, it is really seeking the best ways in which you can create value uh, for, for others. Uh, and that is what reciprocates in not just financial, uh, financial uh, remuneration, but it also reciprocates in a whole host of other benefits. Uh, and then the second, obviously, is liberty, which we're discussing this season. Liberty is the pursuit of uh, of freedom. And I think that does have to do with your investments and it has to do with uh, monetary issues. Uh, but as I said before, it's also pursuing something that you enjoy doing. And the discovery of where you, know, you have been uh, you know, blessed or trained or given 
abilities to uh, to really provide ultimate value for others, I think is a lifelong discovery. But when that is discovered, when that is honed in on and translated into some sort of service for others, I believe that's where the greatest wealth and greatest fulfillment is going to is it going to come from. Now, the the idea of uh, of Melinda Emerson and, and uh, specifically her most recent book, which is Fix Your Business, is that back in 2010, she wrote a book on, uh, on leaving your employer and starting your own business. And oftentimes, when it, when it pertains to an individual in a professional environment, in a employee uh, or employer-based environment where they have a job, they work for a boss, there could be this dynamic that is uh, really pushing a person away and not really providing that fulfillment that they're seeking. And, and so one of the choices they have is not necessarily to move to another company or another environment, but uh, to go out on their own. Now, Melinda discovered, and I think a number of people have discovered this as well, which is when you become self-employed, I would say for the first time, the, the S quadrant of Robert Kiyosaki's cash flow quadrant, the S quadrant, uh, a good definition is you own a job. Uh, and you could also say that it, it kind of owns you. And so the, the advice that Melinda was giving for individuals to go out and pursue their passion that they had control over came with some, some issues. And so the response of her uh, readers, her students over the years was here are all the, you know, I'm out on my own. Here are all the challenges that I have. I'm working too many hours. Uh, I, uh, I, I'm not making more money. I'm bringing in more money, but a lot more money is going out. So, so Melinda took a lot of time and researched a simple, a simple way, a simple formula to, uh, you know, essentially fi- fix a business or create an infrastructure, a successful infrastructure for the passion that you have in relation to the service you want to provide for others. So I'm, I'm excited for you to, to meet her. She also has a, a forthcoming study guide or a workbook as well as a workshop she's putting on in, I believe, uh, Florida at the beginning of 2019. But check her, check her, check her out. Check out her website. It's uh, succeedasyourownboss.com. And it, it's an honor to welcome her, and I, I hope you uh, enjoyed the interview as much as I did. So, uh, so please welcome Belinda Emerson. Welcome to the 2018 seasons of the Wealth Standard Podcast, celebrating life, liberty, and property. You are listening to Liberty Season Two. Okay, my uh, my guest is uh, Belinda Emerson, and. We, we kind of dove right into a conversation about, uh, about business, about what you do in your new book, and uh, we forgot to press record. Uh, so we're pressing record now. We'll probably have to repeat, repeat a few things. But first off, Belinda, thank you so much uh, for taking the time to join us today. Oh, I'm so happy to be here. So let's, let's get into your, your new book. This is your, your third book, and you have quite a, quite a bit of momentum behind it. There it is. If you're watching on video, uh, and and you also have a lot more coming down the pipe in regards to uh, an event that you're putting on early 2019, as well as a workbook. Uh, but first off, let's just get in. Let's just kind of get into to to business. I mean, this is the third book you you've written. What what was it about this topic that compelled you to uh, to actually want to write another book? 
Well, honestly, it was because of my first two books. So my, my first book, Become Your Own Boss in 12 Months, was released in, in early 2010. And the second edition of that book uh, was actually released in 2015. And, you know, so for the last eight, nine years, I've been sort of the queen of startup, like mm-hmm. how to start, how to transition, how to get free from the corporate, you know, slavery, you know, uh-huh. all this stuff. And, but over the years, my business owners that I helped get into business were, some of them were calling me, some of them were emailing me, some of them were leaving me voicemails, some of them were sending me open messages on Twitter, small biz lady, help me, right? You know, and I was like, help you how? Like, how, you know, how can I help like individual entrepreneurs short of, you know, doing interviews like this, writing over 5,000 articles on how to start and grow a successful small business, you know, doing my live weekly chat on Twitter every single Wednesday night on Small Biz Chat, answering people's small business questions live for years, right? Like nine some years I've been doing that every Wednesday night on Twitter. And I was like, how could I figure out how to do more, how to give more? And, and what I realized was that there was just such a common theme in people's issues. And it was their businesses were stressing them out. They're ru- ru- ruling their life. Yeah, they, they, they had a business that they hated as much as that crazy job they used to go to every day. Matter of fact, they hated this thing worse. And then, unfortunately, <laughs> their whole entire financial, ba- you know, is all tied up into it. There's a lien against the house for the loan they got. The, you know, the wife quit the job, so now the, the both of them are, the whole family's whole income is coming out of this business that they now hate. And for me, I was like, okay, I got to help everybody. You know, but I first had to help myself. <coughs> Excuse me. You're fine. The first thing I had to do was was figure this stuff out for myself. And I did 10 years ago. You know, I figured out, okay, there is a right and a wrong way to run a business. Mm-hmm. And just because you bake great cakes doesn't mean you know anything about running a bakery. And so what I wanted to do was really walk existing business owners through how to smooth out the bumps in the road. You know, because what I found, well, the thing that I noticed was is that there were 12 things that can trip up anybody in business. And so my book, Fix Your Business, is really based on the 12 P's of running a successful business. So each chapter of my book is another P word. So the first P is preparation. And the reason why the first P is preparation is because I don't believe people don't know what's wrong with their business. I believe they haven't made a decision to fix it. Mm-hmm. So when I say preparation, I'm saying, hey, do not keep driving around in a car you know that you hear rattling, and then all of a sudden you come out and you put the key in the ignition, and Bessie won't start. And you'd be like, dang, well, it's the It's the nag, right? It's that nagging thing where it's yeah. not painful enough to actually do something about it, but it's kind of like you know how a plane course corrects when it takes off based on the environment that it's in right? If the course correction, even the smallest one isn't changed, it compounds out of control, right? Or off course. Exactly. Exactly. It's like letting that toxic employee stay because you don't want to go through the conflict of firing them and yep. the hassle to replace them. Yep. Or it's like that payroll company that you know is overcharging you, but the harassment to cancel and switch and go to another one You'd rather keep overpaying people to give you bad or whatever, or, or whatever other, you know, whatever service that you use. It's outside. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. Exactly. It's like, it's like, so you know what's wrong. You know, you need to hire somebody. You know, you're falling in the bed every night. You think you're a superwoman. Like nobody can do it like you can. 
But let me tell you something. You're the CEO of a company. You should never spend your time doing $20 hour work nope. ever. And nope. if you're doing that, you're paying yourself $220 an hour to do it. Yep. So think about that. So, so these are the things that I was just like, I was tired of getting these emails, of getting these voicemails, of getting these DMs. Help us. Well, now I'm helping you because now I've laid it out. So the first P is preparation. The second P is purpose. And the reason why the second P is purpose is because I believe purpose is a perfect soup of your vision, your mission, and your passion. You know, see, sometimes people get caught up in passion. Mm -hmm. Let me tell you something. If your passion don't have a profit center, it is an expensive hobby. So we don't start with passion. Mm -hmm. We start with vision. What is it you want your business to be when you grow up? For me, I wanted to be America's number one small business expert. But let me hit you with what my mission is. My mission is to end small business failure. Now, that's a big mission. And everybody's mission should be big because your mission should be something you're always striving for. Mm -hmm. That's what it's got to be. But your passion is important. I love entrepreneurs. I want you to win. That's why I do what I do. That's why I'm the small biz lady. I don't even know what else I would do if I wasn't the small biz lady, right? I'd probably be somebody's favorite professor in business school. But anyway, no, my point is, is that it's really about those three things together and they come together and create your purpose. But your purpose is really your why story. Mm-hmm. And sometimes when you've been in business for a while, you got to check yourself and say, why should I still be running this business? Mm-hmm. Why did I start it? But why should you still be running it? Because maybe what you need to do is go back to corporate America and get you a job. Or maybe what you need to do is blow it up and start all over again. But you need to get clear about your why. Because if you're just doing it for the money, your heart ain't in it. And it's too hard to just be doing something. You can do anything for money. That's, that that cannot be your sole motivator in business. Now, the so what, next- you, so what would you say? Because I because I know what the topics that you're hitting on are are, are really close and important to, to me. And I th- I think oftentimes it's one of those check boxes as far as creating a mission statement and a vision statement and your values. If you look at biz- like businesses that may start out that way, what what are maybe some examples of those that started out on the right foot, but because of all of the chaos it lost focus of its purpose, its mission. Uh, and maybe it wasn't necessarily the business leader starter. It could have been the set of employees that they have. Like what, what have you seen as a result of not having that as one of those, those focal points of the business? Well, it's too easy to lose focus, right? If you don't have, like one of the things that always drives me is my mission to end small business failure. That always drives me. That is my go, no go decision maker. And if you don't have something that 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 is that clear, mm-hmm. you'll you'll chase anything, yeah. right? And so oh. it's really about getting super clear about what what we're doing. Mm-hmm. What is the goal here? Mm-hmm. You know. So every article I write, every video I pre- prepare, every interview I give is about that mission. And so that's why it has to be so succinct and clear. The other thing about having a mission like that is that when you tell other people, they immediately get it. So when I told you my mission was to end small business failure, you were like, well, all right, small business lady, I get it. Right. You know, so that, so that is the whole point of it, but, but it's not enough to have a purpose, right? You got to get you some people because your hands can, you know, you only got two. You need a bunch more. So you've got to figure out, you know, 
who you need, then you got to get the right people. Because sometimes what happens is we wait until we're up to our ears and alligators to hire somebody, and then we hire our cousin because our cousin just got laid off, right? And no, what you need to do is give your cousin a check, not a job, right? You know, so so you don't want to bring a new problem into your business. Yep. You need to actually have a hiring process. Mm-hmm. You need job descriptions. You need to look at multiple candidates so that you get the right person. Yeah. Well, big companies, now that's something we can borrow from big companies, how they hire people. They really put people through paces and look at multiple candidates and they don't hire in a hurry Mm-mm. and so you don't want to do that in your business either so you want to be thoughtful about who you need and maybe even bring them on if you can two to three months before you critically need them so that you can take the time to train them because the other thing we do as entrepreneurs we hire people and then throw them the keys and say good luck yep. that's what we do we don't we don't take the time to onboard we just them. assume that they know what to do Right. And, and if you haven't taken the time to train them to your expectation, trust me, they don't know. And yeah, so you- I think, well, one thing. All right. So one thing you hit there, train them is one thing. Right. But I would say expectation is is another because you you may know how to get to a certain expectation. They may know a better way. And so the expectation, I would say, becomes becomes vital so that you are basically mutually understand, you know, we have mutual understanding of what that outcome is that they're supposed to produce, right? Absolutely. But it's really important that they know your way. You know, you're not going to come in Burger King and tell the Burger King people how to make a hamburger, right? So you need to make sure that they understand your way. But not only that, that they understand your communication style. Mm -hmm. You don't want an employee that's texting you, telling you they're not going to be here today when your preferred communication is email. Mm -hmm. So you have to make sure that everybody knows the right way to communicate with you so that they get the response and acknowledgement that they want. And, And then you really have to look at you. You know, sometimes if you're having high churn in a business, people don't leave jobs, they leave people. So Mm -hmm. you need to examine what it's like to work for you. Mm -hmm. Are you a nice boss? Are you a fair boss? Mm -hmm. Or are you the kind of boss where everybody knows what kind of day you have and by how you're treating them? Matter of fact, does your family know what kind of day you have and by how you treat them? You know, you need to make sure that you're not letting the stress get to you to where you are a miserable puss everywhere you go. Because nobody wants to be around that lady, right? Mm -hmm. You know, so you need to make sure that you are doing things to relax, that you are doing things to get away from work. I love dancing and on Tuesday nights I don't care what's going on I'm out of here I'm going dancing I go line dancing I do cha-cha dancing I do the bop I do all kinds of things because that is my stress relief from my crazy life I do yoga you know I do all kinds of stuff so my point is is that you need to find as a business owner your thing that works for you. Do you like going to the gym? you like going for walks? you like going for a bike ride? Whatever it is, but you have to step away from work and give yourself a chance to rest and regroup. And you never know how that kind of stuff will come up with, help you come up with a great new idea. Well, and this is, again, going back to your, your HR points and how vital other, other people are, uh, it, it comes down to you know a, a level of teamwork and uh, and trust that you that you foster in order to to do that. So what do you, you know? This is just kind of a side question on what we've been what we've been talking about. But what do you see as the most common common way a leader, a business owner, small business owner uh, loses the trust of their of their team? Uh, because I believe that that you know that that trust is uh, is vital, so that you can go out and do do these things without being you know without micromanaging. 
Well, I think lack of transparency is the number one way to lose the trust of your team. Hmm. You can't hide in your office and try to come up with all the answers yourself. You've got to engage your team no matter what the problem is. Because when you start, you know, walling yourself off and, and, and acting all secretive, you make people nervous and you make people think something bad is about to happen. So I believe in keeping it 100 with people. I believe even in sharing financials with people because I think sometimes when you run a business and maybe somebody sees a big check go by their desk, they think, you're rich and they're not. Mm -hmm. And so I am really big on saying, let me tell you what all the people I have to pay out of that check. Mm -hmm. Let me tell you that 30% of that check is going to taxes off the top. Let's start with that. And then let's talk about you and you and you and you and you. I have to pay all of these people and hopefully myself out of this check you saw. And by the way, this is only, this is the only check we're going to get from that client. Oh, you know what I mean? But sometimes people see a big number go by and all of a sudden, you know, you're mistreating them. You're hmm. keeping all the money for yourself. It's like, oh, no, well, this is my company. <laughs> but, you know, you're my employee and I will fight to the death for you. And so, but, but I believe sometimes you have to break it down because everybody you know thinks because you're a business owner that you're just rolling, you know. So it's like you want to be clear with people about what's really going on, good or bad, hmm. uh, and how that can affect them or how it does affect them. Cool. Well, let's keep going. Let's keep going with some of the some of your uh, additional additional. All right. Well, key number four is profit, and it's not about what you make; it's about what you keep. So it is really, really important that you get clear about what your numbers are, how much it costs you, but also how much profit is in every sale. I think Mm -hmm. sometimes people focus on revenue. People always want to talk to me about gross revenue. Baby, I don't care about your gross revenue. I care about your net revenue. So, mm-hmm. you know, these are the kind of things you want to know. But then you also kind of make sure that you're managing cash, that you have money rolls. I don't pay invoices just because somebody gives me one. I pay invoices on the day I pay invoices, mm-hmm. right? So that's another thing that you can do to manage your money. But then the other thing you want to do is make sure that you can take any form of money. You know, I just signed on a new vendor to us the other day. And the only way I could pay them was if I mailed them a check or did an ACH wire to their company. And I thought, really? <laughs> like, you guys don't take any kind of electronic form of payment? Nothing. Nothing? <laughs> okay, well, I'm going to mail you a check, and I guess you're going to wait for it. You know what I mean? Like, that kind of stuff is kind of super dumb, you know, yeah. but I see stuff like that all the time. Mm. And so you want to make sure that you can take all forms of currency, digital payments, particularly those of you guys out here being in retail, you know, millennials want to swipe and pay. So you mm. want to make sure that you can take any form of digital payments and so that you're not aggravating paying customers who are trying to give you their money. Now, the next thing I want to talk to you about, once we look at your profit and we got you going with a, a profit account for your business and a profit account is when you take five to 20% of every check aside for you. That's the profit account. That's not the operating account. And, you know, that is how you make sure that you got some money at the end of the year if you do that in your business. And we started doing that two and a half years ago in our business and it has changed everything Um, because, you know, I don't get paid last. I get paid first. And you have to pay yourself first, just like you did back in the day when you had a paycheck. You got to do that in a business too. Um, So going back, going back to profit, like what do you, is there aspects of that section of the book that gets into, you know, an accounting team and the roles that they play and how, 
to do okay. reporting and how to create your reporting processes and so forth? Definitely. And one of the things that I talk about in the book is about how you should be using your accountant as a business advisor mm -hmm. and not just calling an accountant at tax time. Yeah. I mean, it's like, look, you, you need to be talking to your accountant on a monthly, minimum, quarterly basis mm -hmm. so that you can plan and prepare and make sure your budget is up to date and all this kind of stuff. Very, 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 very important. Now, the next thing you want to think about once we look at profit is your processes, right? So if you're walking around with all the information on how, how your business runs in your head, that is a problem. You mm -hmm. want to make sure that you document your routine processes. Also, that you document your signature processes because that's actually going to create intellectual capital in your business. So it's real, real, real important. Plus, how are you going to train your employees that we talked about back in the people chapter if you don't have your routine processes documented? So document your processes. Now, the other thing I want you to do, once you document your processes, then I want you to look at your productivity because I promise you there is an app or a piece of software that can save you time and money. The problem is there's so many apps and software out here that you have no idea which one to choose. So one of the things that we did with this book, is if you go over to fixyourbusiness.com, I give you a recommendation of all of the software services everything that we use that I recommend as your business grows, what you need to be looking at from CRM to email, you know, all of that stuff is over there. On so one, can we, I'm going to go back to, cause yeah, th this is, this is pretty fascinating. You're, and you're going through some gems right, right now. Um, but one, one, so the processes piece, I mean, you, you went over that really, really quick. I would say that is, you know, that's a game changer, right? If you can have your processes down and talk about streamlining and efficiency, uh, what do you, what do you do? Is that one of the sections where you uh, establish documents associated with your intellectual property? Like you were saying, where, you know, uh, whether it's an, uh, an employee or a salesperson, right, is, you know, essentially required to, you know, set up certain onboarding documents that where they can't necessarily compete or they can't, you know, take that intellectual property and use it somewhere else. You know, intellectual property is just one slither of it. It's okay. really about the stuff you do every day, every week, every month in your business mm. that need to be documented so that somebody, you know, you, you're documenting things in your business so that you can build a business that one day you can sell or franchise you know it, it's not you just can't come in every day and wing it or see what mud is going to get slung in your face and that's what you're well, it's a platform do. concept yeah absolutely it's really about how if you're planning to scale your business you have to document how your business runs you know how do you generate leads how are leads followed up on who owns a relationship after you know a sale does sales own it? Does customer service own it? Or do you as a business owner own it? Mm -hmm. Somebody better own it because yep. it's all about the upsell, right? Or the re resale. Repeat. So that's the kind of stuff that you got to look at and document. Um, mm -hmm. But even stuff like, you know, when is the handbook updated? When, you know, how do we hire And people? it sounds so like monotonous and mundane to do stuff like this, but it's like, it's these are the game changing things that make make or break a business. Seriously, it's absolutely absolutely true. <laughs> and so the other thing that you want to think about is um, 
you know, once you document all those things, then you got to look at the, the things that you do yourself too as the business owner. So it's not just about what your employees do. It's about what you do. Mm-hmm. And so you can figure out the things that you can change and grow and deal with differently. You know, are you spending a whole bunch of time doing payroll? Is there an app? Can you upload the latest stuff to, to you do the app and let, let the payroll run? Like, do you really need to take your time to be looking at timesheets? Like, why are you doing that? You know, so again, so those are some of the things that you want to look at. But once you get past sort of like my first six, which are sort of like the fundamental sort of like Foundation, yeah. things, foundational things of a business, then I want you to look at performance. Mm-hmm. And performance is all about measurement. Because mm-hmm. it's one thing to see on your financial statements that you're losing money, but if you are really tracking stuff from a measurement standpoint, you'll know why. And so it's really important because a lot of times what I find in businesses is that people aren't measuring anything. Mm-hmm. And we can start with basic stuff like when's the last time you looked under the hood of your Google Analytics to find mm-hmm. out what is actually driving traffic to your website? Mm-hmm. A lot of people out here doing four or five social media platforms. How about you find out which two are actually sending traffic to your site? <laughs> but there's other stuff you can track. Like how about your accounts receivable turnover ratio? In other words, how fast you get your money after you issue an invoice, right? Mm-hmm. So that's something else that you want to consider. The other thing you want to look at are things like, you know, churn, you know, cost per lead, mm-hmm. you know, cost per sale you know there's just so many things you could be tracking and looking at that are really really important that are costing you time and cost you money so that's what i mean because at the end of the day if you're doing marketing you don't measure the next time you drive down the street just open the window and throw some money out because that's exactly yeah what you're doing you buying facebook ads you're not tracking why are you doing that you know so you want to make sure that you are doing things that is going to draw people you know, you, you're going to draw information to you that you can use to run your business. Well, it's another thing too, is especially if you have, you know, your specialists, your employees that are working in whatever capacity, right. And they're in charge of a marketing campaign or they're in charge of, uh, you know, accounts receivable uh, or they're in charge of sales. Okay. Th- this is where you're able to, to delegate a, a lot and then really have a good accountability associated with performance uh, because you're mutually on the same page as far as, you know, what, what is success and what isn't success. And that's why it's important. It's a, it's a measurement to kind of tell you, you know, what the performance is. But I would say just because something worked a year ago doesn't mean it's going to work this, this coming year. So it's also a good barometer to, to make sure that you're, you know, flowing with just uh, biz, you know, bi- uh, business, modern business practices, modern business success, et cetera. Definitely, definitely. I mean, measurement is key and yeah. you just need to be measuring everything. I mean, you certainly shouldn't be hiring any SEO company that isn't coming to you monthly with what they're doing and how they're doing it. And how they've improved things, yeah. yeah you know, don't let them talk over your head and don't get caught up on likes or, or you know, visits. You want to, you want to real information because anybody can manipulate visits. So, you know, that that's what I'm saying about just looking at stuff. Sometimes we just kind of want to set it and forget it. And that doesn't work. Mm-hmm. You've got to really be looking at it. But well, another then- thing too. So Melinda, let me, let me try and okay, Cause I, I had, you know, I had a, a team of like eight, eight developers a few years ago and, and they were the biggest expense that we had. And because I didn't understand what they what they did, the specifics of it, okay, it uh, it, it caught me off guard, and I paid some you know pretty severe pretty severe uh, well a lot of tuition to to learn some valuable lessons. Sure. And with them, 
you know, it was as simple as what you're saying is if you have a very standard process of understanding what they're doing, what it's costing you for them to do it and the return that you're getting, that's all you, that's all you really need. Yeah. And I once had a finance person tell me that every employee you have, you should be making two and a half times what you're paying them. So in, in the case of developers, I'm frightening to even know what you're paying them. But, you know, some lessons get to be more expensive than others, but they're just lessons. Yep. And Joel Armour, we can't live there. We got to keep it moving. So after we look at, you know, how your business performs, the next thing I want you to look at is your products and services. And that is, I want you to look at where you're positioned in the marketplace right now and figure out how are you positioned to compete in the next three to five years from now? Mm -hmm. You know, do you got the hot Christmas toy or do you have something that people are still going to need or that people are still going to want? How are you going to stand on the marketplace? I mean, look, Competition is global. It is not local. So you need to make sure that somebody on Amazon is not going to put you out of business, right? So you want to really be clear about your, you know, product roadmap, if you will, or what you need to be coming out with and talk to your customers about what they need so that you can anticipate their needs and get in front of them. So Mm -hmm. that's how you keep, uh, you know, your bigger, you know, corporate customers if you are a service-based business. If you're at retail... Yeah. You're in e-commerce. You got to watch what your value proposition is because the race to the bottom is a race nobody wins. So you don't ever want to be caught out here competing on price because that's a scary road. You want to be competing on, you know, better, faster. You do not want to be competing on cheaper, right? So no. you want to make sure that whatever you're doing, your value proposition is high and easy to understand. Yeah. Well, then- here's the other thing too is what what you're saying as far as how you've kind of laid out the foundation and the fundamentals, you, you got to product almost last. And I would say, if you really think about the entire business, it, the, the, the foundation and all the other elements that support the product, I would say are, are the most valuable. Now, without a product, right, they're, they're not valuable. Business, right. But a product without those processes, you can also argue is invaluable because if you're losing money doing it, why do you do it in the first place? And so that's where- Mess around and have a very expensive hobby. Yeah, exactly. And that's, and that's the thing that's really, really scary. And so- and, a, and you could pivot easily too. When you have everything else in check, if it's another product or even a different industry, you can pivot everything to that with the right you know, foundation and, and set of fundamentals. Oh, yeah, definitely. And once you look at your product, then it's time to look at your presence, as in your brand presence online and offline. Because sometimes if you've been in business for a long time, maybe it's time for a new logo or maybe it's time for a new color story, like to just kind of refresh and give your brand some new energy. Or sometimes it's time to just blow it up, start again, right? But Mm -hmm. the other thing you want to look at is, Old school stuff is coming back. You know, people get killed with email. So guess what's coming back? Direct mail, right? Direct so mail. <laughs> depending on what you sell, a, a, a well-done piece of direct mail could be the thing that could really boost your business right now. Yeah. Or, you know, certainly let's talk about social media for a minute because, you know, people always want to talk about social media. But listen, social media is great. But email is where people are converting. Unless you're selling specific products that you can sell right off of Facebook or right off of Instagram, it's about email. It's about mm-hmm. nurturing that relationship, building that trust relationship so that you can turn that relationship into commerce. And too often, people try to sell you too quick. Have you ever mm-hmm. logged on to LinkedIn and then two seconds later, somebody emailed you their pitch and you were just like, 
wow, do I know you? Then yeah. that made me try to figure out how to unconnect from somebody on LinkedIn. You know, it's like, and I never do that. <laughs> I'm connected to 10,000 people on LinkedIn. But if you pitch me the second I connect to you, I will unconnect from you because I don't like that. So, you know, so those are some of the things you want to do. So you, obviously content is still king. But, you know, if you don't like to write, please don't torture yourself. You know, there's all kinds of other things you can do podcasting like we're doing right now you can do videos how-to videos are the number one search thing on youtube and youtube is the number two most searched site in the world so think about different things you can do that would be of value that will get you noticed by your target audience hmm. you know and then after we look at your presence the next thing i want to look at is your prospects and that is your sales process because listen to me guys the three things that kill a business more often than anything else number one is cash flow second is people third is lack of a sales process if you're just winging it hoping you bump into somebody that might need you hoping somebody that bought something from you will think about calling you again you are in trouble you will be out of business soon so you want to make sure that you have an organized sales process and by the way you also need to make sure you got somebody in your business selling other than you if mm -hmm. you're the only person in your business thinking about how your business makes money you are in trouble so you want to bring in a salesperson and then you got to make sure you know how to manage a salesperson so you might need to get some outside help so that you a hire the right person but b that you figure out how you're going to compensate and keep this person motivated and that you and that person is the owner y'all got to work as a team like batman and robin right you know so you got to make sure that you are mentoring your salesperson that they know how to sell what you do and you got to help them close business and that's just part of it sales managers help their sales team close and don't get mad if you still got to give them the commission right because it's a sale. That's what we want. We want sales. So sales is critical. And then once we get you through your sales and really get your sales process clean, then it's time to finalize your new strategic plan. So planning is chapter 11. And I love it because I interviewed Tim Barry in this chapter. And Tim Barry, if you guys don't know who he is, he is the father of business planning. He created hmm software business plan pro which is now called the lean plan hmm. um you yep. know they've got a great business and he's written multiple multiple books about how to write a great business plan but he i love him because he says planning never stops and it's not about the plan it's about the planning process but the great thing about my book fix your business is if you read my book and you do the homework at the end of every chapter you're going to be happy when you get to chapter 11 because i'm going to tell you guess what you already did all the hard homework to build your new strategic plan mm -hmm. is right here in front of you if you look at the worksheets that i made you do throughout and then the last chapter in my book is perseverance and the reason why the last chapter is perseverance is because when you put out your shingle and you say you're open for business you got to be able to take a hit. You got to be stay strong enough, long enough to win. Because too often business owners get hit and they give up. They pack up their ball and their bat and they go home. Well, look, that's not how it works. Business is never going to come as fast as you want. That loan you apply for is never going to come through right on time, right? You're always going to have to be creative. You're going to have to keep in touch with your network, right? You're going to have to be a friend in order to have one, right? So don't just always make it all about you. Think about how you can be of service and be a part of the community because that's when people come stand up for you. 
That's when somebody will write you a $5,000 check because you needed it that day because mm -hmm. you're waiting on a check from somebody else, right? So that's the kind of stuff that is going to take in order for you to make it to 20 years in business. And I can say that because thank God, March this year will be 20 years I've been in business. So I know what I'm talking about. I've eaten all of my own dog food. I am not telling anybody <laughs> to do something I have not done. So that's it. That's my story. I'm sticking to it. Well, I want to get to, I, I do want to get to the, uh, the workbook, but, but before I get into that, what are over the, over the years, what are some of the, whether it's books or courses or people that have in, inspired these you know, these, uh, these thoughts and what went into, what, what went into the book, because it's a, to me, and I'm, I, you know, definitely want to read the book now. Uh, to me, a lot of these, a lot of these lessons I've had to learn, right. Where I have an element of it, I, you know, learn in this book or an element from this coach or an element here. It seems like this is a lot more comprehensive. So how did you, what, you know, what inspired you? What are some of the, uh, the mediums that you've learned from in order to create this, this, uh, very valuable content. Well, you know, I am a voracious reader and I have read a lot of people's books. And I would say the book that had the most impact on me, like very early on in my business was actually The E-Myth by Michael Gerber. Yep. Probably one of the most important business books I've ever read. Yep. I would say at a time in my life when I had to like kind of regroup and reinvent my business, Barry Moles wrote this book years ago called Bounce. And it was who's the author again, Barry Moltz, M-O-L-T-Z. Mm -hmm. He wrote this great book called Bounce. And his book was about a business that he created that failed and how he reinvented himself and a new business from it. And I, and it's so funny because I read that book probably seven, eight years before I actually met Barry Moltz. And when I met him, I was able to tell him how, you know, his book talked me off the ledge one night, you know what I mean? And he was like, are you serious? And I'm like, oh yeah. And it's great because he now has become a very good friend of mine. Oh, good. Um, and so his book really had a great impact on me. I tell you another book that really affected me early on was this book called The Seven Minute Difference by Allison Lewis. And in her book, she talked about how we have all these like never ending to do lists and how we make ourselves crazy and we don't feel like we accomplish anything. And she taught the five before 11 rule in her book. And she said every day, any business owner should not focus on more than five key tasks. And you should try to get them done before 11 a.m. every day. And I have adopted that and I teach that because what she said was when you set up your five priorities the day before and you start your day on your priorities, not looking at email, not answering a voicemail, but on your five priorities, you get what you want to get accomplished done every day. Mm -hmm. And then anything else you get done after 11 a.m. is great, is a bonus. But if your top five gets done, you're, you will move business forward every day. Yeah, we we do we do something really similar, and and these are just these practical, simple things that make massive differences. But it you know if you start to prioritize the day before before you leave, it simmers, right? Even though you may not be actively thinking about it, it simmers. And when you wake up in the morning, you kind of already have a game plan instead of setting your priorities then and then figuring out the game plan. Absolutely, and mm -hmm. and that is such an amazing thing to do, <laughs> and it changed my life because I was one of these people that I felt deflated every day, like, oh God, I got so much to do. I can stay up till five o'clock in the morning, you know. It's like, no, I got my five done. Okay. I get my five done. I'm good because mm -hmm. I'm superhuman anyway, so I'm gonna, mm -hmm. I'm gonna get stuff done. 
But if I prioritize, and one of the things she talked about was making the hardest thing the first thing. Tackle, hmm. like if you're yeah. a morning person, make your hardest thing the first thing. For sure. Really can focus in on that. Um, and I would say the most recent book that I read that had an incredible impact on me was uh, Profit First by Mike Michalowicz. And he yep. just really talked about how we should prioritize money differently in a business. And, and it, it's funny because he's actually a college classmate of mine. I've known Mike really? for like a really, really long time. Oh, cool. Yeah, uh, But it's just so funny that both of us are small business experts. But um, he wrote a great book. And, uh, you know, I, I teach it. I, I give it to people because it, it's a great book. And it, it's, it's a simple a- concept, too. Very simple, very easy to execute, too. Yeah, so I would say you know I can keep going, but th- those are my top four. <laughs> well, maybe let's do let's do this. So one more thing I'd, I'd love to to hear from you is who are some of the the iconic business leaders that uh, you look to today for uh, for inspiration? I guess it could be the past too, but who do you look for for inspiration? And maybe a, a business or two that would be recognizable by by listeners uh, as a business that you know really embodies some of the things that you teach in the book. You know, my number one business icon is still the first business icon I ever had. And the woman that inspired me to become an entrepreneur in the first place. And actually, that is Oprah Winfrey. Mm-hmm. When I was in college. Oprah Winfrey became prominent with Harpo Studios. Mm-hmm. And literally, she was the first journalist I ever saw start a business because I was a journalism major undergrad in school. I I didn't work in the business school the whole four years I was in college. I don't know why. But anyway, so... Mm-hmm. Um, Literally, she was my first business icon, and she still is. Like, that chick is amazing, right? So um, she keeps innovating. She keeps doing cool stuff, and she keeps giving uh, to so many people. And, you know, and it's so funny because, you know, Oprah inspires so many people for so many reasons. Oprah inspired me because she is a gangster businesswoman. Like I love her. I always have. She's had, she ran, she ran runs an empire and it's, you know, you understand business at a level that most don't, but to see the difference you can make and how one person essentially is at the helm of that. I mean, man, talk about, talk about what she knows and how she understands people and putting people in the right places and everything that you've outlined in your book, you know, probably to the nth degree, she understands those. It's, you know, part of her makeup. Absolutely. And, and the one thing that Oprah has always been really brilliant at is her team. She's mm-hmm. always had an amazing team around her from the yeah. very beginning. And that is what has made all the difference totally. um, in her business. And, and, and she's had some losses. You know, she's made some mistakes, but she recovers. And what I love about her, she's transparent about making mistakes. Like she doesn't mm-hmm. hide, you mm-hmm. know, oh, talk to my publicist. No, she'll do an interview talking about a mistake, you know, yeah. so. I love that even somebody at her level that has every resource you could possibly imagine, she still makes mistakes. She still has to reinvent. You know, when she first launched Own, Own bombed at first. You know, she had to like completely reinvent that thing. But now it's amazing. So my point is, is that I love people who show transparently that they can still grow. You know, if you feel like you already know everything about business, Good luck that's with red, that. That's attitude. a red flag. Yeah, good luck with that attitude because that's how you're going to turn into a taxi driver that gets yeah. wiped out by Uber. Stuff that kind <laughs> of attitude, you know, that kind of stuff people don't need. So <laughs> that I just think that, um, you know, she's amazing. She's my Shiro. Love her. Shiro, I love that. Yeah, she's amazing. <laughs> well, cool. Well, talk to talk to us about how we can stay in touch with you and how we can learn more about. Uh, not just the book, but the the study guide that you are 
uh, in the process of creating as well as your, your course and maybe your event too? What's, uh, what are the best ways? So my website is succeedasyourownboss.com. If you can't remember that, just Google small biz lady and you will find me. Um, we'll, put I am, we'll put it in the notes too. Yeah, and I'm small biz lady on Twitter and Facebook. I am Melinda Emerson on LinkedIn. Those, if you want to go find me on LinkedIn, I actually get my name over there. Um, and I'm really excited to talk about my small biz lady intensive event, Tampa. Martin Luther King weekend, Tampa, Florida. I'm going to be doing a three-day boot camp on how to fix your business. I'm going to teach 12 hours of instruction. All these P's I just talked about, I'm going to go in-depth. I'm going to go in. I'm teaching till 11 o'clock at night. I'm not going to stop teaching until you guys say when. Do you go get your pajamas? You can come back. I don't care. I'm going to keep talking because I want people to get this. And if you go to succeedasyourownboss.com, you can click on the link and we have it there on our homepage so you can find out more. We're only letting 50 people come, so it's going to go quick. But I am really excited and I've got Barry Moles, Ojinga Carr, and Alice Hyman coming. They're going to teach people profit and prospecting and get that sales process tightened up. So I am so excited about that. So, and I got a workbook for Fix Your Business coming out too. So stay tuned for that. So, because I'm going to help you fix your business. Melinda, it was awesome to have you on. You have an incredible energy. And so thanks for, uh, thanks for sharing that with us. And uh, yeah, I'm, I'm picking up your book for sure. And uh, we'll put the link to that in the show notes as well as uh, your social media and your website. And I, I, wish you, I wish you the best. and wish you all the success in the world. Thanks for what you do. Thank you so much, Patrick, for having me. This has been a blast. Thank you for joining us as the Wealth Standard Podcast spends all of 2018 celebrating life, liberty, and property. Be sure to leave us a review on iTunes, and we'll see you on the next one.